This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody and welcome to the preview podcast to look ahead to a little match you may have heard is taking place at the Etihad tonight. My name is Paul Wheelock and as always on this show we go behind enemy lines to get the inside track on Liverpool's next opponents who of course just so happen to be the defending champions of England, Manchester City. Now up until around a month ago I imagine most supporters, Liverpool fans included, would have had City down as favourites to defend their title. But since their 2-0 defeat at Chelsea on December the 8th, Pep Guardiola's side have lost three of their last five games, whereas Liverpool have gone from strength to strength, extending their winning league run to nine matches to open up a seven-point gap between the teams. So what has happened to City? Did they have any inkling Liverpool could be this consistent, this strong? And would defeat or even a draw tonight end their hopes? To get the answers to those questions, I spoke to Richard Burns, a City fan, writer and broadcaster who is a regular on the long-standing Blue Moon podcast. We also talk the importance of Fernandinho, the return of Kevin De Bruyne, the problems Guardiola has at fullback, the growing rivalry between the clubs, and we also managed to have a little bit of fun at the end with a bit of fantasy football. We'll then hear from our Liverpool FC correspondent James Pearce after he attended Jurgen Klopp's press conference, where the Reds manager responded to Guardiola's claim that Liverpool are the best team in Europe by suggesting that City are actually the best team in the world. James also provides us with the latest team news, offers his thoughts on the dynamic of tonight's match and gives us the reaction to the news that one-time Liverpool target Christian Pulisic is signing for Chelsea. Enjoy and we'll be back after the match with the post-game podcast. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Hello Richard, thank you very much for joining me on this podcast to look forward to a match if uh, if you believe both managers pits the best side in the world against the best side in the world <laughs> How are, you, are you looking forward to it? Uh, well, to a point to a point I think you, you sort of have to look forward to games like this they're, um, they're sort of rarefied occasions and you you know you, you sort of live for them it's uh, against one of your rivals and, and City Liverpool is turning into a, a sort of bona fide rivalry now um, and, and pushing for top honours with two two excellent teams you have to look forward to it because you know that it's a euphoric feeling to win a game like this um, but you also have that sense of trepidation because the, the flip side is that we know if we lose tomorrow uh, it's probably too big a task to win the league this season so it feels like first game of January there's a there's a whole lot riding on this one but yeah if I'm honest I am looking forward to it so like I say different atmosphere and a special occasion a game like this I just hope we come out on the right side of it yeah you say there it's, it, do you think it's must win for City or is it a, a game as you said there they can't afford to lose uh, they, they certainly can't afford to lose it I, I, I do believe that if they lose then it's curtains for the title race um, and there'll be no shame in that come the end of the season if we don't win the league because Liverpool have, have only, you know, if you extrapolate the pulling form across the season, if they're dropping 12, 15 points across the year, then there's not a lot you can do about that if your opponent's that good. They've only dropped six in half a season. Um, but certainly we can't afford to lose tomorrow and expect to have any shot at, at retaining our title. A draw would not be ideal because we'd still be seven points behind and again they've only dropped six so far and we will have no games left to play against them so we'll we'll lose any ability to take further points from them and we'll be, rel- be relying on them taking what to be fair would be a pretty significant downturn and us being perfect for the rest of the season so a draw is less than ideal but um, a defeat would be uh, it would be a disaster at this stage of the season to be perfectly honest 
Liverpool proved last season that they could go toe-to-toe with this absolutely brilliant City side. But you're surprised by their consistency in the league. Like They're actually surpassing the feats you know, you know, achieved by Guardiola in terms of the, the league record so far this season than, than what City did last season. Yeah, I mean, it, it hearts off for them. They've been they've been absolutely phenomenal. The, the consistency is uh, it, it almost defies belief, really. Um, they've had they've had some little things go their way, which uh, we'll probably come on to later. Um, but to, to look at them last season, they had this you know they were intense and they were fantastic going forward, and it, that style. I mean, Klopp is the only manager in the world that is proving to be quick tonight to Guardiola. He's yeah. got a great record against him, um, and and we really struggled with that this season. Uh, sorry, last season. Obviously, the, the Champions League semi-finals and the four-three defeat at Anfield were massive blocks on City's copybook, and they stood, they, they stick out like a sore thumb because our record everywhere else was so good. Um, but Liverpool did have and have had for a long time the tendency to lose to teams that they really shouldn't last season after the 4-3 at Anfield they lost back-to-back games in the league and cup at home to West Brom and Swansea so to see how they've turned that round this season um, from what was last season they finished 25 points off City they were great in the head-to-head but over a season they were nowhere near Uh, to turn that round to be uh, seven points ahead of City on level games with, with half a season played um, you can't really knock that and it, I don't like to say it because they're not my favourite pub in the world but you, <laughs> you know, so I've been respect and admiration for it to be perfectly honest Yeah, you, you talked about that kind of kryptonite factor that Klopp had over Guardiola and I thought it was quite telling in the, the reverse fixture between the sides earlier this season that Guardiola almost changed his style a little bit then uh, he to, to, went almost a bit more pragmatic at Anfield but you know, before we press record on this conversation, we talk about that Mares miss penalty late on. I don't know if anyone realised it at the time, but it, looking back now, it, it looks such a big moment in the title race, doesn't it? Oh, it's huge! It's huge. I mean, that it's um, it's a bit of a cliche to call it a sliding doors moment, but that's exactly what it is. We'll we'll never know now what might have happened if that penalty goes in. But you look at just the reality of it and, and the psychology of something like that. When you're at home to a title rival that you have a great record against anyway. I mean, City haven't won at Anfield since 2003, and before that, is it, it's won in over 50 years. I mean, yeah. it's a dreadful record we've got there. It's the Anelka goals, isn't it? I think the last one was yeah. in there. Yeah. yeah, we had a chance to turn that on its head, undo or, or exercise some of the ghosts of last season, and, and make a real statement against a team that were proving to be a title rival um, by breaking the hearts a little bit in the last minute. And City were good that day. The first 15 minutes, Guardiola, I think, um, I don't think he wanted to be under siege, but I think he accepted that he had to let, he had to defend the first 15 minutes because that's why Liverpool have undone us time and time again. And then after that, City controlled the game and it wasn't a rip-roaring attacking performance, but it was good. Um, and it showed that they'd learned some lessons from last season. You get a chance to take the three points and then blaze it over the bar. And for Liverpool... The sense of invincibility that that must give you, and and I know from City last season we had okay, it wasn't similar because we were a lot clearer and it, it wasn't against the same quality of opponent. But um, our New Year game last season was at Crystal Palace when we were on a, a record-breaking run of wins, and Palace got a penalty in the last minute that Sterling gave away, and Edison saved it, and it was deep in stoppage time, and it's just one of those moments that makes you think, hang on, everything's going our way here, and it's. It gives you that sort of, not arrogance, but it gives you that swagger and fans start going to games expecting 
it just becomes that bit more enjoyable because you just feel you can't lose. Yeah. Um, and, and Liverpool have had a couple of other moments like that in the season. Um, there's the Pickford error in the in the Merseyside derby where they could have um, they could have had one point. It turns into three. Sturridge banging a, a 35 yard goal out of nowhere into the top corner of Stamford Bridge. Um, they've just got these things that are falling their way and that isn't just to be clear I'm not suggesting for one second that they're lucky mm-hmm. um, or, or that they, they don't deserve that luck because you, you know at the end of the day you create your own luck um, but it's just when you're on top and when you're flying you do get that feeling that things just can't go wrong and when you're the, when you're the chaser or in the chasing part like City are it becomes demoralising to see that happening time and time again so that, that worries me as much as Liverpool's quality, to be honest, at the moment. You mentioned that goal at Chelsea by Sturridge. You know, any any team can go to Chelsea. They're a fantastic team themselves on the day. City lost there first for the first defeat of the season, but then followed it with defeats against Leicester and Palace. What happened there? Because, you know, that those defeats gave Liverpool fans <laughs> such a big boost as well because they were so unexpected. Yeah, I think... Um... My thoughts after the Palace game were sort of that City hadn't been at the races, but given that it had been uh, 16 months, give or take, without losing to a side outside of the top four, there was a, a bit of me, as gutted as I was, that was willing to write that off as, what every team suffers these defeats at some point. We're, we're fortunate enough that we've only suffered it once in 16 months. Bad day at the office and sort of, you know, get back in the saddle at Leicester. And then obviously... Leicester was pretty bad as well and then it becomes a right well there's a pattern here um, we were unfortunate against Palace to concede an absolute wonder goal from Townsend um, but from there City just didn't react and I think I, I don't know I think this is being picked up on wider now but one thing that I think City, the City fan base knows all too well is for all our quality up front and for you know all the everybody gets into a panic and, and has a flat when De Bruyne gets injured or when yeah. Silva gets injured or when we have to do without Aguero. We have cover in all of those positions and the cover might not be as good but it's cover that can come in and do the same job. Where we don't have cover is Fernandinho. Mm-hmm. We have nobody, nobody in our squad who does the job that Fernandinho does. Probably the closest is Gundogan but he's he's not a defensive midfielder, he's not an attacking midfielder. Um, we have nobody that anticipates danger and stops it developing before almost before anybody else has realised it's there, and then just gets the ball rolling on an attack again, like Fernandinho does. And he was missing in both of those games with a slight injury. Um, So it wasn't a great surprise to me that uh, we looked a little bit worse without him. Um, But at the same time, that doesn't excuse uh, two shot defeats. One of those you can write off as a bad day, but it does start to ask a few questions about what's going on defensively, to be honest. I feel a bit silly asking this question for a team that's got 47 points out of 60 and was just absolutely unreal winning the league last season. But is those defeats, particularly to Palace and Leicester, shaking City anyway? I know they've bounced back with that Southampton win, but is there any doubt over themselves at the moment? Well, yeah, I mean, I can, I can only, um, you know, speaking as, as a fan, I wasn't confident going into the Southampton game as a result of those two defeats because you talk about that sense of invincibility that we were talking about earlier we had that all last season and we were routinely on the couple of occasions where we did suffer a setback we were straight back on it in the next game so to see us lose two in a row it does shake you and I think we saw that in the team at Southampton once Southampton equalised City rocked for 10 or 15 minutes Um, the good thing is they had a bit of 
character about them to, to see out that 15 minutes. And, you know, maybe there was a bit of luck in that. Southampton had a penalty shout that I personally don't think was a penalty, but on another day the referee might have given it. Um, and so a couple of things turned our way as well. Yeah. But we showed the character and it dominated the game. And I think 3-1 in the end was a pretty fair reflection of it. So... Um, I think what it does do is when you see the, the chances that we've given up to, um, to Southampton and Palace to an extent, they only had three shots and they all went in, but they were still sort of chances. Um, you can't give Liverpool chances like that. It will be it'll be curtains before half time if we pass, you know, if we if we give chances like that. So we're going to have to be a lot more solid at the back. Good news is Kevin De Bruyne is back. You know, to Guardiola's credit, he's not mentioned it too much. Up to my knowledge, he hasn't because. As good a squad as he's got there at City, Kevin De Bruyne is special, isn't he? I think with with Salah last season, the two best players in the Premier League, how big a boost would it be for him to be lining up tomorrow night? Oh, it'll be huge. It'll be huge. Although City have been fantastic without him, and it's worth mentioning that uh, both of those defeats, De Bruyne did play, uh, he came on against Palace and he started at Leicester. So it's not like... He's not irreplaceable. Um, it's not like City can't cope without him. They've done a, a damn good job of coping without him most of the season. And although the style never really changes, you notice when De Bruyne plays that it's like everybody's a yard faster. The the way they start from deep is a lot better. His, his vision is outstanding. His passing ability is outstanding. His reading of the game, the things that he sees, are, um, they're a notch above what almost anybody in the world can do once you take out sort of Messi and Ronaldo there's not many who do what De Bruyne does better than he does he's, a, he's an exceptional footballer so it will be a huge boost for, for City to have him and I dare say that, um, that Klopp would rather be facing a City team without him The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo Problems at fullback, would it be fair to say? You know how dangerous Liverpool are down the flanks. Mendy's out, uh, Cal Walker's coming for a bit of criticism. Is that a concern at all going into the game? Definitely. I think that's um, with Fernandinho now back, which would have been my biggest concern. <clears throat> Fullbacks are definitely a concern. Uh, Walker has been, he's sort of, he's almost snuck out of form, Walker. It seems to go unnoticed for a little while that he's not been. Uh, quite at his best. He's, a, he's an incredibly dynamic player. He's, he's great down the wings and defensively. Um, I think his defensive abilities often get overlooked. To be honest, for how good he is going forward, uh, but he, he's usually pretty solid. But there's been there's been mistakes creeping in recently, and he's had two games out now. And the hope has to be that, um, from, you know, from our point of view, that that just sharpens his focus a little bit and lets him know that um, you know his, his deputy Danilo is. Uh, by nature he's, he's not as good at Walker um, as good as Walker at any aspect of the game but to be fair to him he, he, he was pretty good at Southampton um, and that's got to be a, a bit of a kick up the backside to Walker to be quite honest uh, and then a left back we're, we're all at sea at the moment Fabian Delph it's like he's suddenly remembered that he's not a left back by trade um, and has and stopped reading the game the amount of times that he's been beaten he sort of watched the ball drop over his shoulder onto, onto an, opponent, an opposing striker creeping in at the back post um, is, is worrying, although he's suspended for, uh, for the third game. And Zinchenko, I mean, I like Zinchenko. He's good on the ball, but he's not hes not the most... Um, well, he's not instinctive as a defender, I think it would be fair to say. And this is a game where we can't afford to just play 
full-backs on the basis that they attack well, we need them to be able to defend well. So it leaves us as options putting Laporte at left-back, yeah. and that was um, for as fantastic as he is, and he really, really is, uh, but he was a disaster at left-back at Anfield last season, and there's no reason to think that Liverpool wouldn't target him there. Um, or moving Danilo over to left-back, which would... It wouldn't be ideal. So we have problems there, um, definitely, and I'm, I'm sure Liverpool will identify that as a weak spot and, and try and get wide and, and hurt City that way. God knows Liverpool have got the players to do it. But my, my hope is Walker start, and um, like I said, it's been a bit of a kick up the backside and it, it forces him back into a bit of form. Whatever happens on Thursday night and, and this season, do you think we're? I think you touched on it at the start of this conversation that we're seeing a, a proper rivalry, aren't we, growing between Man City and Liverpool now? Maybe one to surpass Man United, given their problems at the moment and given how far they are off the the top of the Premier League. Is it growing from your point of view? This this rivalry between the two clubs. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of it um, was was really really kickstarted by the Champions League games last year. Um, it, it's sometimes easy to um, to be swayed a little bit and, and take social media as the barometer of, of everybody's feeling. But the, the feeling on social media before those quarterfinals last year was when Liverpool fans were talking about how City players never would have experienced anything like the atmosphere at Anfield and, and all this stuff and how it was going to terrify them. Um, and don't get me wrong, I was there. It was a good atmosphere. We're talking about players who've played in South America and, and some of the big derbies over there. Games over here just don't compare in, in, that, in the, the sense of atmosphere. And I think City fans sort of took a bit of a, a bit of umbrage with the way the Liverpool fans are selling themselves there. And then the Liverpool fans, I think, took a bit of umbrage with City fans um, giving a bit of stick for that. And so, yeah, it, it's definitely grown. I know we've been accused by Liverpool fans of trying to force a rivalry, but um, they're definitely feeling it. They're definitely feeling it. And, you know, United, uh, we, we've always had a dislike of United in common, but they've become, in, in league terms, a really relevance now. So I would think, you know, in, in competitive terms... City v Liverpool is it's the biggest game in the country at the moment. I don't think anybody could really argue that. Um, tomorrow will be it'll be huge around the world, I would think. So, yeah, it is, it is a rivalry, and as long as both teams are pushing at the top, and as long as both these managers are in place, I suspect that will be for a good while. Yet, yeah. it's a rivalry that will develop, and that can only be a good thing. It's, it's good to have rivalries, and a, within reason, a, a team to have a bit of hostility towards. Definitely. Just before I ask you your verdict, the final verdict on the uh, on the game, bit of fun. One player from Liverpool you'd like to see in the City team, and who do you, who's the one City player you think would improve Liverpool? Ah, oh, that's a good question. Um, well, I think I'm going to have to go for a player that would uh, that would improve Liverpool. Um, because he's probably the best player that's ever pulled on the Manchester City shirt. Uh, it'd be David Silva. Yeah, yeah. great um, player, great he, player. Yeah, he's magnificent. And again, another one who felt like it took a long time for him to fully get the recognition that he deserved. But he's an unbelievably graceful player. He, he gets between the lines almost unnoticed time and time again. His passing is exceptional. You see, again, like De Bruyne, but... And uh, so I'm repeating myself now, but he sees the game just differently to most players. Um, and he's the player that, if you ask me who's worth the ticket money alone to go and see, uh, David Silver every day of the week. So he would improve any team in the world. Um, 
player that would improve City uh, is probably the obvious pick from Liverpool to be honest. Well, one of the obvious picks from Liverpool, Van Dijk, yeah. especially given our defensive uh, uh, defensive frailties in the last few weeks, which is odd because at the start of the season we um, we nearly had a week or a club record for most consecutive clean sheets, and then we conceded one, and the floodgates have opened a little bit, and we can't we can't buy a clean sheet now. Um, but Van Dijk's fantastic, and to put him. I think a partnership of him and Emmerich Laporte would be a, it would be bordering on on absolutely perfect. It'd be a dream defensive partnership. So I, I would happily I'd pay double what Liverpool paid for him to get him <laughs> into City. <laughs> You've got the money. You've got the money, but I don't know if you've you, you have a willing seller. And yeah, just you just final one, mate. I've took enough of your time already. How do you see the game going? Can you see City getting the win to reduce it to to four points, or will the gap be the same, or or maybe even bigger? I think. I mean, I, I never predict City to get beat to the point of it being a fault of mine, to be honest, because it makes it sound very unrealistic. Uh, I, I, you can call this one any which way. Um, I think at the moment, I would be surprised if City got beat at home again. I mean, Liverpool are more than capable of doing that. I, I'm wondering if with the healthy lead that Liverpool have got, I'm wondering whether Klopp might be uh, not defensive, but just he's got the luxury of being able to be a little bit more pragmatic, um, and I think that could could suit City. I mean, it'll make Liverpool harder to open up, um, which is hard enough anyway. Um, but I, I could see it being a draw. But I'm going to go with optimism. If I've got a nail score prediction down, I'm going to go two one City. But um, don't ask me to put any money on it. So <laughs> Richard, thanks very much for your time, mate. That was a really enjoyable chat and a fascinating insight into uh, City, the team who are chasing Liverpool at the top now. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you very much. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, we've just heard from Jurgen Klopp ahead of Liverpool's titanic Premier League top-of-the-table clash with Manchester City at the Etihad on Thursday night. As you can imagine, the Liverpool manager in fine spirits with Liverpool going into the uh, new year on, the, on the, a glorious high on the back of that demolition of Arsenal at Anfield. Nine straight Premier week, uh, League wins, confidence absolutely uh, sky-high and the Liverpool manager adamant that uh, the title race won't be decided at the Etihad on Thursday night, Pep Guardiola has been playing the old mind games in the build-up to this one. He said that he thinks if the gap was to go to 10 points with a Liverpool win, that would be too great for City to, to claw back. He also described Liverpool as the best team in uh, world football right now. Klopp uh, sent that one back with a bit of interest, said to him that uh, no, no chance, Man City are still the best team in the world as far as Klopp's concerned, despite the Premier League table suggesting otherwise he thinks City have kicked on and are even better this time around than they were when they won the title with 100 points last season. Uh, Klopp full of admiration for, for what the job that Guardiola's done. Of course, they had a, a pretty torrid Christmas period with those back-to-back shock league defeats, but uh, they got back on track with that win at uh, Southampton on the weekend. And, you know, it's it's just a, a huge, huge game. But I think Klopp's right. You know, it's not going to decide anything, of course. I think if Liverpool were to go there and win be a massive step towards achieving the uh, the prize that all Liverpool fans are, are desperate to see Liverpool get their hands on uh, but you know it, it's still too far far to go to be uh, to be talking about the race already being run in terms of fitness news uh, positive from Klopp said that James Milner confirming the story we had yesterday that Milner was back in full training and I'd expect Milner as long as he has no ill effects to come back into the side I think this is the kind of game where I'd expect Klopp to go with a, a midfield of Henderson, Milner, Wijnaldum I think he'll want that experience in there 
And it's going to be a really interesting dynamic with the fact that City, certainly the greater pressure is on them. They need the win. Um, you know, a draw would be of much, much greater use to, to Jurgen Klopp and his players. And interestingly, Klopp was talking about how he feels that Liverpool have shed the baggage, he said, um, the backpack. He talked about how, you know, it's. I think what he meant by that was he felt that when you play for Liverpool, you know, all that history sometimes can weigh heavily on your shoulders. You're compared to great teams of the past all the time. And, you know, if, they, if you don't match up, it, it can be, uh, you know, that, that can weigh heavily. On you, but I think what he what he felt was that run to Kiev last season made these players believe that you know they deserve to be recognised as a an absolutely elite level Liverpool team, and now they've gone on to the next level with the record breaking they start they've made to the Premier League season. But uh, you know by the same token, Klopp again desperate to keep a lid on those uh, emotions and expectations said that you know when he's out and about he doesn't see fans celebrating he he feels as if that um that the supporters know that this race is far from being run um so all positive at the moment but you know the stakes are so high at the Etihad on Thursday night elsewhere Jurgen Klopp was asked about uh, Chelsea's swoop for uh, Christian Pulisic um Klopp describing him as a great signing for Chelsea a very skilled boy he said said he's delighted that he if he uh, gracing the Premier League from next season onwards um, with a story on the Echo site earlier today just explaining why Klopp had decided not to go back into the market for Pulisic. Of course, Liverpool had a bid rejected for the USA International back in the summer of 2016 um, and I think it's fair to say that, that the price that Chelsea had bought him for, £58 million, that just wouldn't have made any sense for Liverpool. For a player who wouldn't have got in Liverpool's starting lineup. he would only have been a squad player. Liverpool don't buy squad players for £58 million, especially not someone who's uh, inside the last 18 months of his contract. So uh, Liverpool left the way clear for Chelsea to uh, to get that one over the line. Klopp more than happy with what he's got for the second half of the season. And now uh, it's uh, all about events at the Etihad on Thursday night. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.